Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus. Stay chill or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to the New Books Network. I'm starting to wonder if I'll ever see Dad again. The dream starts off the same, the darkness, the scrape of blowing twisted branches on the window like the tapping fingernails of a giant wakes me and I try to open my eyes but all is black. I hear the rain falling, a rushing of sound as if my bed's in a cave hemmed in by a waterfall pouring past the only exit to the outside world. I must walk through it. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today I'm talking to author Brad Schaefer about his moving and emotionally emotional novel, The Extraordinary. Wesley is 14 and since the age of two has been unable to communicate with anyone except his father who understands him. His sister Becca breezes in sometimes from college. His brother Thomas is busy being a star high school football player and his mother is still in mourning for the baby she lost to sudden infant death syndrome years before. Wes's siblings just want their family to be normal, and Wes just wants to be left alone to follow his chosen rituals with his father always by his side. Hi, Brad. Thanks for joining me today. Uh, Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So what was your impetus for writing The Extraordinary? Well, I... It actually started off as the as a story about a family dealing with PTSD. And the reason why I chose that subject matter is my father was actually a wounded combat veteran of the Korean War. And uh, and he had suffered PTSD. You know, back then they didn't really have a name for it. This was you know the 70s and 80s. But um, and he had suffered it for a while. And so I wanted to kind of tell the story of how a family deals with that, but I felt that there was something more that was needed. And I noticed that many friends of mine um, have children who are on the spectrum. You know, they have various forms of autism. Um, and I began to, to look at them very closely. And I wanted to try and understand what was going on in their minds, you know, if possible. Obviously, each, each manifestation of autism is its own universe. 
but with that said, I want I sort of took the idea of writing a story about an autistic child telling his his or her own story through you know the first person voice, but I wanted to throw them into a dramatic situation, and so I figured I would toss them into sort of the world that I knew uh, as a child growing up with a PTSD suffering uh, veteran father, and uh, that's where the extraordinary came about. Wow, because the father in this is really a lovely character. Why yeah, is yeah. he the only one able to understand Wesley, the autistic teenager? Well, it's funny. I, I wasn't sure how to, uh, I didn't know if I wanted to go into that too much or let the reader sort of come to his or her own conclusion. But I think I look at it because the others are rather self-absorbed characters. You know, I mean, as you had mentioned, uh, the mother is dealing with grief from the loss of a, of a baby, uh, which she considers to be a quote-unquote normal baby, um, as, as opposed to her autistic son. Um, the sister is off, you know, making her way in the world in Manhattan, and the son is getting ready for college, and the son is, you know, the, the, excuse me, the older brother of Wes is, is getting ready for college and all that. So all these people have their own things going on, whereas the father, his main thing is, you know, as a leader of, of a platoon, he, his, he first has to look out for those underneath him. And I think that sort of spills over into his love of, of his son. And also just for whatever reason, because he's not so distracted with his own uh, solipsistic needs, he is one who sort of can peer through that proverbial you know, block of marble to see the angel within. Mm. And, and I thought the fact that he was quite frankly, I mean, a trained killer. I mean, that's really what a Marine is when you think about it, and they'll tell you that. Um, I thought that was an interesting juxtaposition between how he, you know, what he does for a living and how he actually viewed his own family and his own uh, son. So I oh. thought that was kind of an interesting contrast. I, I hadn't even thought of it that way, but that's so interesting. Mm -hmm. Wes's mother explains that Wes seemed perfectly normal until he turned two, and she wonders if it's it was vaccines or anything they did that made him autistic. I just read a recent study that brings the very diagnosis of autism into question. So what's your take on it? Is it, as Wes's teacher says, just a combination of genetics and environment? I, I'm, you know, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I look at it more from the psychological aspect. I really haven't studied the medical aspect of it too much. Um, my daughter, who is in med school, could probably tell you more about that. Actually, she was one of the impetuses for me writing this book because she had written a paper on uh, autism and its influence on families. So that's what sort of sparked the idea as well. Um, I don't, from what I have seen, and again, I'm not a physician or anything like that. Uh, I don't believe vaccines have anything to do with it. I just think the mind is so complicated. And I think part of it is awareness. I think as we understand more of what autism is, I think more we start to realize that more and more people fall under the umbrella of it, whereas before they were just considered oddballs or considered, you know, antisocial or even ADA, you know, ADD or something like that. So um, I'm not really sure what, what the reason is, <clears throat> excuse me, the... Um, there are a lot of stories of people whose children did seem perfectly fine until they reach a certain age. And I think there might be something worth exploring there, but uh, I'm really not qualified to be the one to opine on that. I know that you did a lot of research, though. So there are so many heartbreaking moments in The Extraordinary. And I'm wondering if you ever found yourself crying a bit as you wrote this novel. Oh, 
Well, <clears throat> the, um, you know, I've always said that you don't know what goes on behind closed doors of a family. You know, many times people say, oh, they seem so normal or they seem so happy. And then you hear like of a divorce, you hear of like some some horrible crime or, or what have you. And, um, you know, the I did find myself because I'm saying, gosh, I wonder how many families really are dealing with either this or something like that and aren't really handling it well at first. Um, the, the study that my, the, again, I bring up my daughter uh, who wrote that uh, when she was in college, at, you know, she minored in psychology when uh, it was about impacts of autism on especially mothers, whether they're working or whether they're homemakers, it seems like the burden falls on them. And so, um, you know, I found myself feeling for the mother a lot in this, but at the same time, you know, I wanted to make her a three-dimensional character. So I didn't want to make her just this sympathetic victim. She definitely has issues of her own, but I think if you throw somebody like this into a family that has, it, that has issues, it can be very volatile. And mm -hmm. I, I think I tried to bring that out in, uh, in my book, because really, and then you throw in a severe mental illness like PTSD, and then the impacts that it has, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think there's, yeah, it, it did make me cry in the sense that I, I really hope that I'm not describing too many families out there, but I have a feeling that there are more than I would like to think. Yeah. The father's gun appears early in the story, and we know what Chekhov has to say about that. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, there's something very, uh, there's something very threatening and very awesome about a gun in the house, you know, and about pulling out this, this, this weapon of death. And then it falling into the hands of the autistic boy is, you know, I mean, it was a bit of a, of a, of a vehicle for heightening the tension. But to be honest, it was sort of loosely based on something that I experienced myself in my own life. Uh, we had a gun in the house and we had not, you know, a, a combat veteran. And I mean, like, you know, something right out of Saving Private Ryan veteran. I'm not talking about a guy in the back. You know, this guy was a Marine in the Korean War. And if anybody, any of your listeners just want to look up what happened to the 1st Marine Division in Korea, well, that gives you a backdrop. So, um there was something very, and that was something that he was familiar with, you know, something that he had used and used to great effect. And so the question is, is he going to use it on himself? Is he going to use it on others? And very often, unfortunately, we see that that does turn out to be the case, especially in this country for some reason. Yeah. Let's talk about Peter Scott, Wes's father. He's mm -hmm. such a good guy. Where does he come from in your mind? How did he spring out of your mind? Is he based on somebody? You said your fa your father had Is he a lot like your father? In, in many ways, he was. My my father was a more um, complicated man. Was a more uh, you know he had he had several sides to his personality. Where Peter is a little bit more linear, and and I mean, but. The, the good moments that he has with his son, really, I pulled right out of my own memory. Uh, I was the youngest of five. And um, I mean, as you can, I think as you're starting to tell, there is a, a decent amount of autobiography in the book. Um, and my father was always very kind to me. He, he was a rough man and he had many flaws and he, you know, but he was always extremely kind to me to the point of being embarrassingly braggadocious about me. Um, so and the fact is I lost him when I was only 16. Uh, the PTSD finally did get the better of him. And um, so for that reason, I think I made this character to be someone that I think 
you know, my father could have been. So it was an aspirational character. And I wanted, again, the fact that he was the trained killer in the house. He was the one who also saw the beauty, you know, which I think I, I was just drawn to the character probably because I really didn't have a father much in my life, you know, after I turned 16. And I'm, I'm 54, and actually 50, God help me, I'm 55 now. <laughs> so, uh, so I think that might have been a little bit of me uh, projecting what I wish mm-hmm. I had had more of, if yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And now Wes's mother, she's not a bad person, but Wes doesn't feel love from her. Uh, is she incapable of showing tenderness? She is, um, she is sort of of that. You know, I, I make her the, the daughter of, of a somewhat wealthy man. And she's very pretty. And she's very, uh, I, think, I think I describe her as painfully skinny. Mm-hmm. And she is sort of that icy Protestant reserve type. And she, I think with her, it, it, she, she stemmed, I, I wanted to make her a, a powerful character because, again, the research shows that, at least the research I have read, and you know, people out there can feel free to correct me. I'm certainly no expert. But um, the research that I have read shows that the burden of an autistic child tends to fall on the mother, regardless of the, the situation of your know, breadwinner or whatnot. I, I don't know why that is. I don't know if there's just something about, you know, the maternal instinct or something about just the, the relationship between mother and child. But so in her case, I think she's a bit resentful that in, she does a lot of the work and Peter gets all the glory and all the love. So I think by the time we become voyeurs in this family's life, when Wes is 14, we start to see years of, of pent up, you know, subtle resentment in her. And I think it starts to manifest itself in a coldness about her and a desire to both get to know her son, but at the same time, disliking him for two reasons. One, because he doesn't seem to get to know her or want to. He's, he's really his father's boy. And he read his father's the one who called him the extraordinary boy as opposed to his ordinaries, right? The ords, mm-hmm. as he calls them. And two is she feels like she's being punished for some reason she lost their child annabelle to sids and the next one to come along is wes who is you know not abnormal in her in her mind obviously people with autistic children know very well that's not the case but uh, so i think there's both resentment and there's almost a wondering of like why is you know what have i done wrong am i a bad person so yeah you said that she's not a bad person but I think good people can do bad things and good people can can think the wrong way. And I think she sort of falls into that. So in a way, she's more three-dimensional really than Peter, who's sort of, and, and that makes sense, right? Because a military man is more linear, you know, his job is to be straightforward, you know, especially an officer. Yeah. So so I, I, I found her a very interesting character and she's not really based on anyone. She's really based on on how I would be if, I was unappreciated or if I felt unappreciated by my own offspring. Okay. That makes sense. Peter was initially upset that his son wasn't allowed to go to a regular school. Instead, he works one-on-one with the tutor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it seems to be working in, despite what happens throughout the book. But I love the character of his teacher, of Antoinette. Can you introduce her? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Antoinette is... Um, even she has some three dimension to her. She's more than just a teacher. She is the one who, you know, her job is to work 
is to work and get West to open up. And she is just this woman who she lost her father in uh, on 9-11. Um, and so I think she appreciates life and she appreciates what she can do for those that like Wes who aren't well understood. And yeah, I did like her character because I do like the fact that she's looking out for the family um, and not just Wes. Like I think she sees the big picture. So she's very bright and she's very likable. Uh, she's attractive. You know, I mean, Wes, you know, points that out basically as Wes gets, he's starting to turn into a teenage boy, right? So he's starting to notice Antoinette in more than just, you know, a, a teacher way which is another a bit of, a, of an aspect to the book. I mean, I could have made the book a lot longer and really delved into these characters, but I thought the, the way the narrative was, I'm sorry if I'm going on a tangent here, but I thought the way the narrative was of being a first person, there was only really so much the reader would want to read before it became exhausting. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the idea, because I think it is being, I think it is exhausting when you have nothing but all these thoughts coming in your head. I think even Elon Musk said that his brain was on rapid fire all the time and it became exhausting. And he, I mean, he's now as had admitted, not admitted, he's now explaining that he too has autism. So, um, you know, it comes in all, all shapes and sizes. But I did like her character. I liked that school. She's based on uh, a few teachers I know who teach young children, you know, not in those types of schools and uh, where I've had very good experiences with my own children. So that's sort of, and she's also a bit of an homage to those who teach and those who do the hard work for, I believe, underpaid. So, okay. yeah, that's so true. Mm-hmm. Um, how'd you come up with the idea of pepper spray as a remedy for dealing with an outburst of a of autistic child? Is that a real thing? Because it sounds a, kind of abusive. Uh, yeah, that is a real thing. That's based on, uh, I can't really say too much about it, but that's, okay. based on, that's based on someone I know. Let's just put it that way. Okay, so it's a yeah, real thing. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that did not pop out of my head. That, that, came, that came with personal experience of, personal observational experience let's just leave it at that it's hard to judge it because how would we know what would be the thing you could do when somebody is totally out of control and it did bring Wes into control even though it it hurt his eyes yeah I you know I I don't judge that because um what what a lot of people with children on the spectrum and have to deal with is that they're not always going to be little kids at some point, they turn into full-grown adults, you know, body-wise. And Wes is turning into a big man, right? Like even his sister says, I don't, he doesn't realize how strong he's getting, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah, I mean, I, I will tell you this. I used to work, um, I told you I was from Illinois, and I used to work in high school at Little City for the Mentally Handicapped in Palatine, which was a wonderful place. I think it's still there. It was a wonderful place for people with special needs that they brought them in, right? You know, special uh, mental needs. And I worked with everybody, you know, I was a phys ed instructor, you know, I worked with everybody from very, very mild, pardon the terminology, this is the terminology of the day, but uh, this is the 80s, but mildly to profoundly retarded. And Mm -hmm. obviously, obviously, autism is not the same. I'm not making that comparison. But we would do things called emergency mat rest, where you would, somebody would be very strong. And if they were starting to have a, uh, have a tantrum of some sort, I forget the, the actual term we used to use for it, but that going off, I think is what we would say. You would, you would actually have to get behind this person, put your arms around them in a bear hug, like, you know, with, you know, behind their back and pull them to the ground. And it could sometimes be quite violent, but you're doing it for their own good and for the protection of the others. But it was, it was very hard 
to uh, it was very hard to do that because you know these people can't help it and you know they're you know you felt really bad afterwards so I think I tried to capture that emotion after they were done spraying him I know Rebecca the sister felt very guilty about it all the time but you know the yeah. the, but the alternative was Wes could have unknowingly beat her brains out you know not even realizing it I mean yeah. so um yeah I mean I think actually that's what probably sparked my interest in, in mental illness to begin with was way back then too so I, maybe this this book's been rattling around in my brain for a long time right uh yeah. that part was heartbreaking what is Wes's attraction to sound of music and why did you choose that particular show although it's obviously a wonderful show <laughs> all right well th- this is gonna you know this is going to sound very unprofound, but I just wanted, I just know that, that people in auti- with autism, a lot of them fixate on one thing. And I just like the sound of music. <laughs> That's Who doesn't? Who doesn't, right? I mean, okay. you know, I, I love, I love the Von, I mean, how can, you know, how can you not love the Von Trapps, right? So I wanted to throw something happy in his life. And, you know, if I woke up every morning to the little goat herd, you know, even after, I guess even after a while, it starts to drive the brother crazy. But, you know, that that's a lot better than him waking up to having to watch the movie Seven over and over again, right? Right. <laughs> so. uh, I was shocked when Wes, in his meandering and his thinking, was able to decipher the chord progression of Can't Find My Way Home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As a musician, that was something really, it's, I always listen for it, but we didn't get any clue that he was a musician or understood that. Can you talk about how you chose that song and other songs mentioned? Sure. And, and how did you come up with the idea of Wes being able to figure it out? Well, I think um, you know a, a lot of a, lo- a lot of high functioning autistic people I've known, and I've known a few, are also very mathematically gifted, or you know, and they tend to see patterns. Um, at least the again, I'm not making a generalization because there's literally as many manifestations as there are you know as there are autistic people in the world, um, but. So I, I figured he was very mathematical. Like, if you notice, he, he likes to count the steps that he takes. He likes, you know, one, two, three, four. He, he understands, you know, concepts like uh, prime numbers. He understands, you know, uh, Fibonacci and all that, that, that stuff. And music is really very mathematical uh, when you think about it. You know, uh, there's, there's, there's a two, five, seven. I forget. I'm kind of... I'm, I'm blowing it, but there's a what, one, four, five, one, four, five. Thank you. There's, there's a chord progression like that. And, you know, as a musician, I mean, I play music too. I, I play piano and guitar and, and I've always found that, um, that there's definitely patterns and there's definitely mathematics to it. And so it makes sense that he would be, uh, it makes sense that he would be drawn to that part of it. And then the song can't find my way home. I think the lyrics uh, just drew him. In because you know come down on your throat come down from your throne and leave your you know he's basically feels like he's up there isolated especially I believe that was the scene where he was after his son and he had had that that terrible altercation and the rain's coming down and he's watching his I'm sorry not son his brother excuse me and he's watching his older brother who tries to apologize and he doesn't want anything to do with it leaving and as he's pulling out he's listening to that music and he's you know and I think the music just drew him in. So music is, you know, I always consider music to be the ultimate art form. So it makes sense that a highly functioning, highly intelligent person would be would be drawn to that in ways that many of us are, are not or ways that many of us miss. At least I do. I, I can't speak for others. Um, so which character you it, you seem to have a connection to every character just about. Mm-hmm. But which yeah. character do you feel closest to? Wes. 
Wes himself. Wes okay. himself. Because I've always been a bit of an introvert, um, which would surprise people who know me. Um, but I, I like to, I, I'm, I find a lot of joy in solitude, not isolation, but, you know, like I have a family, I have wife, I have children, I have really a very nice social network. Um, and so, and I do like to go out and I do like to hang out with people and I like to interact with people. In fact, as a writer, you have to, right? And that's where you, your source material is when you walk out the door. But I'm also find myself very, uh, very attracted to the quietude of life. Like I don't like crowds. And I think so Wes sort of reminds me of, it, it, there's a little bit of me in him as well, you know? And then I guess secondly would be the father, of course, but for a totally different reason. The father, I'm more simp- I'm very sympathetic to the father because I try to imagine what, what goes on in a, in a soldier's mind, something, or sorry, Marine in this case, something I can't imagine, you know, like, so um, I, when I owned my own company, I actually would raise money for wounded warriors. Oh. So I've, I've always been attracted to, I use the word attracted, I've always been drawn to that, uh, the, those people, you know, to veterans and whatnot as well. So but Wes is more who I am, I think, than the father. That is really cool to know. Mm-hmm. So Brad, I know this book came out months ago and mm-hmm. I'm guessing that you're working on something else. Can you talk about it? Yeah, actually, um, I've got several uh, irons in the fire. Um, I have one completed novel that is called Avenue A. I mean, I, I first of all, I just like I like to bounce from subject to subject. I don't know if you, if your listeners know, but I wrote a, a book about World War II before this, about a German fighter pilot who saves a family of Jews during the height of World War II, and it and it's about his internal struggle with being, you know, with being a fighting for the Nazi regime, but realizing that it's wrong. So, so I've, so I've covered World War II. This, I've, this is more of my, you know, domestic uh, contemporary book. Um, and my neck, the, the book I just finished is called Avenue A, and that is, takes place in 1930s New York. And that's about an African-American cop from Harlem who's based on the first African-American policeman in New York City named Battle. And this man's name is Clayton Wells, Detective Wells. And he has, he's pulled down in the height of the depression, in the middle of the thirties, for some reason, he's ordered to leave Harlem and go down to Alphabet City to try and help a, an all white precinct uh, solve a, a series of, of murders going on in Tompkins Square Park. And he doesn't know why, and there's obviously reasons behind it, but that book was a lot of fun because there were a lot, first of all, I love history and I love the history of New York, uh, my adopted city. And, um, this has characters from Fiorello LaGuardia to Meyer Lansky to uh, Charles Lindbergh is in it, uh, Catherine Hepburn, uh, Marlena Dietrich, uh, Henry Ford. So it's a very interesting, uh, F. Scott Fitzgerald makes a drunken appearance in it. So it's a very, uh, it's a very fun book, I think, to read. But also um, it's based, again, on some of the experiences that, that this uh, African-American policeman battle had. And they were not all pleasant, as you can imagine. Uh, you know, as my brother always said, the pioneers are usually the ones who end up with the arrows in their backs, you know, uh-huh. but I, yeah. but I think I'm kind of drawn to those types of people. And then I just, I literally just finished the very rough draft of a book I, that is about a, a, a man who loses a son in a car accident and about a woman whose father has Alzheimer's severe, who somehow find each other through the chasm of letter writing and they end up 
meeting in St. John's just as a hurricane's coming about. <laughs> so wow. Yeah, well, so that's I'll kind look of forward. Thing. I'll look forward to whichever one comes out next. Yeah, that's up to my um, agent. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not a not up to the writer. <laughs> yes. Brad Shaper, thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a pleasure. Oh, pleasure was mine. I really appreciate you having me. Thank you so much. And thank you for joining me. Again, this is GP Gottlieb, author of the Whipped and Sipped Mystery Series and host for New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. Today, I've been talking with Brad Schaefer, author of The Extraordinary. May your free time be filled with wonderful literature. Happy reading, everyone.